from newstalkzb.co.nz. It's the Mike Hosking Breakfast with BNZ. G'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Tuesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB, uh, hosted this week by Mike Yardley. Uh, different Mike, same show. Uh, we, we've got a climate report out. What can we do to save the world? Uh, Jody Whitaker, she's the new doctor. We'll catch up with her. Hug a hedgehog in France, Dick of the Day in Wellington. Uh, but first up, uh, we're obsessed with the petrol prices this week. It's the the topic, I don't know how to say topic of the week in French. I was going to say topic du jour, that, that just means of the day. It's going to go a week. If they really wanted to take some smart, nimble and decisive steps to ease your pain, I reckon they could. They could abolish the just-imposed fuel excise increase. They could signal the axing of the Auckland Regional Fuel Tax on the grounds that it's been abused with its corrosive dispersal across the country. They could pull the pin today on ACC's desire to slug you two cents a litre in extra motor vehicle levies. They could ease the excise take by getting electric vehicle owners to start paying their fair share. No nasty taxes or road user charges for them. The multi-million dollar free ride for these EV bludgers should be over. And most importantly, and perhaps this is the one Jacinda Ardern should really consider, the AA has renewed its call for the government to stop applying GST on the excise portion of tax. So every litre of petrol pumped nets the government 10 cents in GST on the excise, the tax on the tax. So that's 10 cents off the litre price they could easily lob off. Turning the tanks on... The fuel companies and the size of those margins is all very well. But there's no escaping the gluttony they themselves have unleashed. Yeah, they, they keep saying they can't uh, reduce the amount of tax they're taking off the petrol because it's never been done before. But then they would never do anything or make any changes. They can if they, they can. They just can. I mean, petrol's never been this expensive before. Sort it out, please. Uh, now, what are we doing with the, 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 the climate uh, catastrophe impending? Help! Uh, the Greens want us to close all the farms down, of course. But our wider farming sector do need greater reassurances from the government about supporting future water storage schemes. And this isn't just for dairy or agriculture, it's for horticulture and future foods. Just look at that debacle that engulfed the Waimea Dam project recently, jeopardising the entire Tasman district. Smart water storage schemes must be allowed to proceed, and perhaps Parker and co. need to give a bit more reassurance on that. As to the climate, and the latest efforts of the IPCC to scare the bejesus out of us, New Zealand can and should play its part. But I would have thought the greatest contribution we can make that would actually make a meaningful difference is for our world-leading methane reduction research to be fully embraced. If we can harness the brilliance of GM plants to slash methane and nitrous oxide emissions from livestock, that is the greatest gift we can share with the world. I mean, that work that ag research is doing with the HME ryegrass is very exciting. 
but it is GM. And that noble quest should be pursued, not sabotaged by the anti-GM eco-warrior extremists. I don't know if, I mean, can you get excited about research into grass? These people are literally watching grass grow, I suppose. What's more exciting, watching grass grow or paint dry? Not sure. Jodie Whittaker is more exciting. She's Doctor Who. Do we ever dream of being the Time Lord? <laughs> I think uh, I, I think I'm actually quoted as saying from an interview back in the day that I, as a woman, would never be able to play the Doctor or James Bond and something that I'm now eating my words. So <laughs> it was. I always dreamed of becoming. You know, I always wanted to be an actor. I always wanted to play exciting roles, but I didn't appreciate, I suppose, as a child that this was an opportunity that would be open to me. And so, thank goodness, in 2018, it, it finally is. Yes. How gruelling was the audition process for the role? It, I mean, it was, it was, uh, it, it was gruelling, but it should be. It's, a, it's, an, it's an iconic role and it's a sought-after role and I will have been up against some phenomenal actors and it is the type of thing you really should be throwing your hat in the ring and fighting for, which I did. And But the thing that came out of it that was the biggest reveal for me was how much I enjoyed the audition process. I found the energy of the doctor and the, you know, the scientific jargon, I, I found it fascinating and I loved it. And I think that kind of, um, th- that was reassuring for myself that if I did get the job, I was at least going to have a fantastic time. That's exactly the same attitude I take to this job here. I mean, I'm basically a time traveller. Um, I'm talking about something that's already happened. You're listening in the future. Uh, so it's, it's even longer ago that it's happened now. Uh, you might have listened to uh, this after yesterday's or before it. You see, we're bending time and space. Isn't it exciting? More exciting than watching grass grow. Good callback, Glenn ZB. Uh, or is it more exciting than hugging a hedgehog? What? Just been discussing how there's a, an advertising campaign underway in Paris by animal rights protesters for Parisian people to love the rat. And uh, coinciding with that, I see there's a campaign being launched to save the hedgehog in France. I know it really is an extraordinary time, but the people who who take notice of these things and who count these hedgehogs uh, tell us that the French hedgehog population has actually declined by about two thirds in the last twenty years. And they say, I don't know how they get this figure. I tell it to you as it was told to me, Mike. But they say an average of about two million hedgehogs, French hedgehogs, are killed each year on the nation's roads. Now they say on top of that. You've got a lot of problem with pesticide. They say that the pesticides that people are using in their gardens is just too it's too strong. The hedgehogs eat it, and you know even though it's meant to keep away slugs and snails, it's actually killing the hedgehogs. On top of that, Mike, here's the next big problem: is people's walls and fences surrounding their gardens. They say they're too strong, too high. Uh, hedgehogs can't get through. 
And as a way of getting around this, Mike, they are suggesting that homeowners build hedgehog highways, as they're called, and that means that you create small holes that are about, you know, between 10, 13 centimetres across at the bottom of their garden walls uh, to let the hedgehogs get in and hope that once they get into your garden at night, there's no pesticides which could harm them. Um, they certainly wouldn't be able to get into my cat door, so that's all right. I've got a, a fl- fancy schmancy microchip cat door now, which is so fancy schmancy that one of my cats won't even use it. So it was a waste of money. Um, let's uh, finish up here with Dick of the Day. I hope it's not me. Oh, please let it not be me. Now, uh, the Dick of the Day award, I think, uh, has been won hands down by that young Wellington twerp who decided to swing his way along one of the capital's iconic artworks, a Lenlai sculpture, no less, uh, which is known as the Wind Whirler, Glenn. Have you been up close with the Wind Whirler? Well, not as close as that guy. No. I, I'm, 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 I'm slightly torn about this one. Right. Why, it's, why, well, it's, why? A bit, it's a bit like streakers, isn't it? Some people are for, <laughs> some against. I, I, I guess you draw the line when he actually does damage yes. to a piece of art. Yes. That's probably... Which cost, uh, which cost a million dollars to install, Glenn. Yeah, but now yes. he's, and he's inadvertently created a new piece of art because I understand <laughs> it is now on the bottom of the ocean. Well, yes. Thankfully, the council has insurance. But you see, this is the interesting thing. The Wellington Council have called him the cops, right? And I've been watching that video, which has gone viral around the world. <laughs> Little snapshot of New Zealand for the world. Um, but the thing is, in all seriousness, what should the police do with him? Because I don't think he was swinging his way across the wind whirler intent on causing damage. He just wanted to take a plunge in the water on a, on a nice spring day in Wellington. Unfortunately, he took the damn sculpture with him. Um, so do the police charge him with willful damage? Uh, does he make some sort of restitution payment? I think he should be given a medal for creating uh, Wellington's first uh, major diving attraction. The underwater wind. No, it's not nothing to do with the wind. The underwater waver. I don't. I can't even remember what it's called now. Let's look. Let's just stop the podcast. I mean, it is the end anyway. Uh, that was the rewrap. I will see you back here again tomorrow when we'll start it all up again.